Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. to the Femi Pod. This week's guest is someone who has been an inspiration to both Esther and myself ever since we came across her in 2017. Ali Kiefer is an American marathon runner and not only an incredibly inspiring athlete, but also a powerful voice when it comes to embracing who we are and our bodies. Ali made a name for herself when she placed fifth in the New York Marathon in 2017. Although Ali is constantly driving the message, there is no such thing as a runner's body. Ali is so much more than being that body positivity athlete and is constantly chasing her own dreams and goals to fulfill her potential in the athletic world. Welcome to the Femi Pod, Ali, all the way from Spain. How are you? What's going on in Spain and how's your training going? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I got to Spain a few days ago and my luggage is lost. So it has been sort of a nightmare. I, um, I think part of my brain is like, don't let it affect your training or your trip like this is great you're still great and the other side of me is like really annoyed (laughs) because I have one pair oh yeah I have one pair of of, like running kit and so I um ran this morning and I did a workout it was raining so I had like mud on the front of me mud on the back of me and everything's wet so I washed it but I had to run this afternoon and like it's kind of like camping rules. Like you have to put it back on wet for it to dry and get warm. And so the first oh like God. mile was a little bit rough, but it's also like pretty ideal conditions down here other than the rain this morning, you know, it's not too cold. So um, it could be a lot worse, but yeah, it's a so kind of funny there, trip so far. You're there on a training camp, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you there with like a training group or the training group you're with? Is that your normal yeah. training group? Um, so I joined this group based out of London over the summer and I just really enjoyed them. The training seemed to work for me. And so I just continued to have the coach coach me after I went back to the United States. And then I spent a few months back in the U S in Texas where I live. And, um, I knew they were going to do this training camp. And so I decided like, I'd just, I'd come back with them and then spend about a month in London and then do a race in the U.S. and um, just travel the world, I guess, <laughs> through running. <laughs> but um, it just sounds ridiculous, like Spain and then London and then the U.S. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I've i been really liking the training. So and the people are really cool. But this is kind of like the most time I've spent with everyone. Because while we're in London, we just, you know, met two or three times a week for the practices. So it's a little bit funny also not really knowing who you're traveling to Spain with. <laughs> and um, what's the race you're training for, Ellie? Um, so I'd like to make the national championships in the U.S. for the 10K and the track. And there is a couple of track races. Um, I think they're both in L.A. and one's in March and one's in April. And so I'm hoping to just do the first one and knock the time out of you know the way so I don't have to like worry about chasing the standard but you know you never know so um yeah that's what I'm planning for I think I don't even know actually what the time is to qualify so I should probably figure that out but yeah (laughs) plenty of time to get there (laughs) exciting um 
Can you take us through your running journey so far? And did you run when you were a young girl? And if so, what led you to want to run or how'd you get into it? Yeah. So I followed my sister into the sport and the crossing guard said that to my mom, that she's a really fast runner and they should, my parents should sign her up for this like track club in our area. And it was a little bit of a drive. And I think my mom wanted to support like whatever we liked and were good at. And so they kind of needed somewhere for me to be, if she was going to go to, like, we couldn't be at different places um, because I had working parents and I was only five. So they convinced this track club to let me be the youngest person ever. And it, it was like a, a kid track club. So we ran for TikToks and it was an amazing start to a running career. <laughs> that gives me goosebumps because I know your story, your entry into running, that's super special. At Femi, we're all about embracing our bodies and feeling empowered in who we are as athletes or not. We love that you put the, push the message of body positivity. Firstly, we want to thank you for the impact you've had on females all around the world. Where do you think this confidence in your body came from? And can you chat us through the journey that you've been on with your body? Yeah, so, you know, I ran in middle school and then um, I showed like promise pretty early and moved up to the high school team. And then you know, ninth grade, I made the States like championships and I didn't come from like a very good running school or like that wasn't a precedent that we had set that people would be going to States. So, um, I think, I don't, I don't know like how many decades it had been since another athlete had made States for track and field in my high school and people kind of took notice, but almost a notice, like you don't look like the typical runner and you're running well and like well you must have a really good heart or you must have like really good lungs and and uh, I don't think they meant anything by it like nothing negative at least they were giving me compliments that I had a good heart or good lungs and I perceived it as I maybe I had this insecurity um, or you just want to fit in and be like everyone when you're younger and so I just kind of kept picking up on that. People were telling me I was different and it, it felt less than, and I'm not sure that someone said that to me when I was that young either, but as you move up the chain, I think, you know, then some of the girls that I was racing were saying things about me that I was like bigger or they would be embarrassed to lose to me because I'm bigger. And then when I got to college, the coach was like, often it didn't matter what I weighed. She would just tell me to lose five pounds. And Again, that's like not really helping your confidence. And I wasn't really running to what I felt my potential was. I was getting injured a lot. And I don't think it had anything to do with weight. It was just, I was getting injured and then not consistent. So I wasn't running to how well I could run. And her husband actually told me I wasn't worth a scholarship. And then I um, did my fifth year at another school at Arizona State. And they just never brought up weight. And it was like so refreshing that we could just run and not have any pressure on us to be a certain size or it it just never came into conversation and people like healthy is different than being a different weight. So there would be conversations about, you know, being healthy. Um, But it didn't seem like it was so we could run faster. So this coach could keep his job. So, you know, the whole cycle of NCAA can be a little bit rough sometimes. And, um, And then I ran, I tried to run professionally and I made the Olympic trials in 2012 and I was like just out of college. And, um, and there I felt a lot of pressure too. Like the coach told me that I looked like a hobby jogger when I showed up 
and I'm like is that because I have headphones in like I don't <laughs> they're like no it's your look like you don't look that fit and um there's really no look to being fit but I didn't really learn that lesson the easy way like I I I not I don't really think I ever had like an eating disorder because I almost like went the opposite way of that I was like so it, I took offense to it and then I was sad and then I depressingly ate more um but I did like struggle to stay healthy especially when like I would go through periods where like maybe I should tighten up my diet but I didn't necessarily know what I was doing and then I'd lose my period and then I get a stress fracture so um it clearly wasn't like very healthy and it was ruining the consistency and the love for the sport. And so I totally quit in 2013. And then I started coaching running when I was in New York city because I was a nanny and I was working like 30 hours a week or something really light. So I had like a lot of extra time and I just thought I'd get back into it. And I started coaching an Australian guy actually, who um, ended up running really fast around 239. And I, back then I would coach people. I'd run one workout a week with them and I just couldn't keep up at the end of his workouts anymore. So like started training more and more to keep up with him and to push him at the end of his workouts. And then the following year I got fifth in the New York city marathon. And then I think it was really that, like, once I had like done it, I realized like, I don't need to change to do it. Right. Like once you accomplish something, you kind of realize like, you're good the way you are. Um, and, and I, I wish it wasn't like that, but that was, that was my path at least of, I got a lot more confidence after that, that I don't, I kind of leaned into it too. I, I just, I was, when I got fifth at New York city marathon, I was doing CrossFit and lifting a lot. And like, I was becoming okay that, you know, maybe this strength component, I, I don't have maybe a typical runner's like body would like, uh, I mean, typical elites cause I guess, but, um, but I'm strong. I can actually handle a lot of mileage and I have a lot of like, I can be explosive because I have a lot of muscle. I can, you know, there's like ways to lean into the things you have. And I think I started taking that approach and it, it kind of paid off. I love that. I think that's so inspiring and amazing. And I think, yeah, just watching you evolve and I think that confidence that you got from that 2017 New York Marathon um, and the messages that you've been spreading all over around the world about being confident in your body has just been so powerful. And between 2017 and now, what's that journey been like with your body? Have you are you still working on it? Do you feel like you're at a place where you're just like, I believe in myself and my body and like this is the power I've got? Yeah, I think it, you're always working on it. And, and at least I'm always working on it to some level because even when I'm like, I'm living with people now and you, you kind of wonder like, are they looking at me for eating a normal amount? <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know if it's me that gets into my head because people have told me that I'm bigger, that I'm like, oh, I'm bigger or oh, I eat more and I'm like more sensitive, but I know it's a me thing, right? They have, no one's ever said anything to me in this group that I need to be lighter, lose weight or eat less. Like they would say the opposite probably. So I know it's like a, something that I'm sensitive to, maybe my insecurity that I need to like continuously work on. Also another thing that um, I was in a relationship and 
we like weren't doing that well. So I felt like very rejected by him. And I think I blame that on my body. Like at some point the rejection I felt like was my fault. And that really set me back for a little while of like, I kind of lost my confidence, not just, I mean, it, it like it transferred over into running where I, I lost my confidence in that too. I just was like, it's so interesting now looking back at it of how much that like something that totally didn't have to do with running, but had to do with body and you use your body and running would affect that too. But um, yeah, so I definitely think like I could get, I could probably get tougher of like being okay with me and that will probably be something that I need to work on for a, a while. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about people's insecurities and how they get protected back on you and how that affects you. It feels unfair. <laughs> so keep that confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Do you, um, obviously, you know, people have scrutinized the way you look and that's, for me, um, super unfair because you're such an amazing athlete and it doesn't matter about the way you look. It's um, your performance and consistency in training. But do you get sick of people talking about weight and when do you think people will stop focusing on how a female athlete looks, but instead how she can perform and how, how her body's recovering from training and her, not so much her results, but how she's feeling in her body? Yeah, it's interesting because I haven't really posted anything about weight in a while um, because I really noticed that the more I was writing about it, the more people were commenting about it. And I just didn't want people to comment about it. And I kind of wanted to try to not think about it. Like if I don't, think about it all the time. Am I more secure or less secure? Like, where do we fall with this? And so, um, I don't, I don't necessarily think, I hope that we stop talking about women's bodies in sport, but I don't, I don't see that trend. Uh, I feel like women's bodies get talked about a lot and it's insane because like no one lives up to whatever standard someone has, like we're, we're too old way too quickly. I, someone told me I was too old after I got fifth of the New York city marathon. I was like, I'm 30. I was the youngest on the top 10, but like you, you can pick at anything if you want to decide that. Like if that, I, I, I think we have to get to a place where other people's opinions and what they say about us don't affect us. You can't just have the conversation of like, when will people stop? Because you're asking people to like stop actions that they don't want to stop. Like people aren't going to change. And there's always going to be someone that, is projecting their own insecurities or unhappy themselves and like bringing you down makes them feel bigger for some reason and better. But if you can not react to that person's negativity and just continue to live and enjoying like happy, fulfilled, wonderful life, then you've won. So that's like the way I go with it of, you know, it's not really their problem that it it affects me. It's my problem that it's affecting me and how am I going to grow and work on myself so that it affects me less definitely and as like as female athletes what do you think we can do to help make these changes because it for me like we obviously coaching women and we don't focus on their weight we don't say they need to lose weight we we build confidence through their running and their relationship with running do you think we should keep trying to build people up or just ignore it and I guess I definitely build people up I feel like building people up can't hurt you like you don't yeah. lose anything by that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think part of our jobs as coaches is to build confidence in our athletes. For sure. Yeah. 
And that confidence does come from movement and from running, right? And I think, unfortunately, the sporting arena is very much a man's world. Historically, it's been a man's world. And unfortunately, a lot of those comments that come towards female athletes come from men. So I guess it's understanding that we are very different. And yeah, I guess trying to ignore those comments and focus on what we do well in our bodies and how our bodies move and the confidence we get. Yeah, but I'd say that like the college coach I had was a woman and Mm. the people that have like ran against that have spoken about my body, those are women too. So um, the commentators, yeah, I think that's usually men commenting and that is never great, but I don't think that's the majority of the issue. Um, I don't think that helps it. I just think that it's on broadcast is on on national TV. So then everyone hears what that broadcaster said. But um, I think it's like the individual relationships and I, I, it's probably knowledge too. If my mom knew that that was something in running and that was something to be careful and watch out for, she may have picked different words when she was talking to me or tried to like, teach me how to respond or not to react to some of the things that are might be said right but a lot of kids their parents didn't run and they don't know that they're going to be picked apart for their size and then everyone's trying to fit in and you get told that you don't look like a runner and you feel awful about yourself like we all I think it's crazy because I think we're all just looking for the same exact things in life and like one of them is fitting in and we're old or young really we just want to look like someone that's doing the same thing we're doing and yeah I think it's deep rooted into sport isn't it like you said it's not just men it's not just women but we've been taught by coaches by what we see around us what a runner's body should look like um which is in quotation marks because that's not the actual reality you know runner's bodies are completely different women have different bodies men have different bodies and they can still be amazing athletes um, but yeah, it's what we're taught and what we see around us. It's quite hard to change those views, but hopefully we can make people a little more understanding. Yeah, no, I, I do think you can, because I think it's just ignorance. I think when you look at actually the bodies that are even the best in the world, not everyone has the same body. So true. Let's talk more about your coaches. I think at Femi, we obviously work with the female physiology and specifically around female hormones and the menstrual cycle. Can you tell us a little bit more about the coaches that you've worked with in your career? And so you've been working with female and male coaches. Have any of your coaches in the past embraced your hormones or talked to you about your menstrual cycle? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Super interesting. Is it something that you pay much attention to? No. I mean, I know when it comes every month, but that's about it. Because I know that if I skip it, I get a stress fracture been there was one time where I was like I skipped it and I was it was last year and I was really nervous because I didn't want to get a stress fracture and I talked to the coach and he didn't really care (laughs) I was like no no you should we should care (laughs) and so you have suffered mm -hmm. from relative energy deficiency syndrome before losing your menstrual cycle so I was working with after I lost it I talked to a nutritionist and because I was really concerned and she was like, I think, I think you're fine. Like, I don't think you are ha- not getting enough calories then. Um, but maybe you're just training a lot. And I still am confused about that because it doesn't mean that you're not just eating enough calories for your like exercise level. 
Correct. Yeah. If you are in that energy deficient state, that's kind of when your bones will break down, potentially will break down. Um, so losing your yeah. cycle is one of the first signs for us to know if we are falling into that state. So it is something amazing that you were aware of it and reached out for help because it is the first thing you should do if you do lose your cycle. Yeah. I think it's really hard to figure out where to go for help. Hmm. Wow, there's such when a you... lack of research and understanding around the female body, hence why so many athletes lose their cycle and just ignore it or let it go and don't reach out for help. And then get injured, right? Yeah. Correct. Have you have you ever noticed like in your training that you're affected by your hormonal fluctuations? Like before you get your period or when you're on your period, do you feel any t- type of way training or racing? Um, I honestly have like no, I've never really think about it until like I know that I did go to one doctor he was like a very very cool eastern meets western medicine doctor and I was like man I'm just like on a freaking roll this week like I cannot be stopped and <laughs> he's like yeah you're probably like in that part of your cycle and you just like have these more highs and lows and I'm like no I will not be stopped and I definitely got stopped. It's <laughs> <You know? laughs> like right back to reality. <laughs> That's but, amazing. I mean, it's it's to me like I don't keep up with it enough to know if like that's actually he was right about why or that was a coincidence. But that's why you know, he's a pretty we, smart guy. So we think about <laughs> all of the lack of research that's happened in the past around female physiology. I know between 2014 and 2020, only six percent of research studies were actually done in sports science, were actually done on females. So there's so much potential for us to understand the female body so much more. And when we think about, you know, both Esther and I are still competitive athletes, but we think about that next level, like yourself that are competing, um, getting that knowledge that is um, you know, the education that is happening at the moment being able to take that and apply it to your training we just think women have not got anywhere near the potential that they can have you know I think the times they're just going to get faster and faster the more we learn about female bodies oh I'm sure you're right because it wasn't that long ago that they didn't think we could run marathons because our uterus would fall out exactly. like, <laughs> it's ridiculous I'm glad that's changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah because <laughs> we're actually like comparatively better at the longer distances yeah exactly soon the females will start beating the men in the marathon and we'll be running stuff too just wait for it <laughs> <laughs> maybe but, maybe the ultras there are ultras <laughs> people that are beating the men and that's pretty yeah, cool it's so cool to see we're going to flip the switch here a little bit and just talk about um, confidence and pressure. So you placed fifth in the New York Marathon in 2017 and seventh in 2018. You've run a PV of 228.12, which is incredible. What was the pressure like leading into 2018 and how do you deal with that pressure? Do you think men and women deal with pressure and pressure comes from different places for both genders? Um, I really don't know how to like answer the man side of it because... I, I just don't know enough. I don't have like enough research about them to like actually give a bit of like smart, well thought of answer. Um, but for me, I felt a lot of pressure going into 2018. And there was, I think actually because of the body conversation, I did get a lot of press going into 2018. And I put a lot of pressure on myself that I wanted to place better than 2017 and like that race I mean not 
the same caliber of athlete and the way the race goes out and plays into my strengths or my weaknesses, like it's not always going to match up. And so I placed two places back, but actually a minute and a half faster than I did in 2017 and 2018. And I was devastated after. And looking back, I'm like, that is so ridiculous, right? Because like, it was a good result. It was a very good result. And, um, and I think there was, I just put so much pressure on myself. And I know some men that do that and some women that do that. And sometimes it, for people, it comes from the outside world. But I, I do think like um, a lot of times that the, like, the level of being top 10 in a world marathon major, it's like very internal because you're the one that's like kind of getting yourself up every day. I mean, when I was sponsored by a clothing and shoe company, like no one checked in with me for three months, maybe at a time. And then you show up at a race and it's like, okay, we're going to check in on how well you're doing. It's you have to be internally motivated because you'd never get anywhere. You wouldn't be fit for the race if you didn't really, really care about it. And so then you put in all that work and, and I don't really like to say this like sacrifice, but I think it's just choices we make, but some of those choices are a little less fun than other ones we could make. (laughs) So um, I do feel like there's a, a lot on the line and then monetarily, there's also a lot on the line, especially as you are like winning these races. So with people's livelihoods or maybe the kids college tuition or something and and you can't run forever. So you've got to think about like stacking up some money kind of a, like during your few years you can run. So you have something to live on after. Mm. Yeah. Wow. How do you take that pressure that was put on you by, you know, society, I guess, media, people around you, plus the pressure you put on yourself? How do you take that and deal with it? Like, are there certain things that you do even now that maybe you weren't doing back then to be able to process that pressure and not let it affect your performance too much? Yeah, I guess I've, um, I've tried to, to really like work on not taking, like not being high or low with the result. Like I'm not worthy of anything because I placed well or not worthy, like even just food, for example, right? Like I tell people that I coach, like you need to eat regardless of if you ran or not. So it's not like you, I, I shouldn't get only get rewarded when I do really well, or I think well of myself or build myself worth and my confidence from running well, I need to build it from the person I am. And so if I give it a hundred percent and been a good person, then, you know, I deserve that self love. And so that's what I've tried to like be a little bit more balanced instead of a roller coaster with a good workout, bad workout, a good workout, bad workout. <laughs> Cause it's like, unsustainable and then that's too much it's just not it doesn't help you actually run faster so when I've I mean Sarah Hall talks about this a lot it's like freeing yourself from like the results that you you know you can I I do think it's crazy because I've I used to be so cautious in my races and that's probably still the smartest way to race but I've been way more of a risk taker recently because like I have nothing to lose like I'm just going to a race and if I chose to go out really fast that was a choice and I might blow up but like the result doesn't mean that I'm any better than I was if I got last place so I have nothing to lose out here I only have like fun to gain 
And so yeah. you, I guess that's just been like a work in progress, but that's something I've worked on a lot. And I do feel like I've made a, a lot of gains. I think mm-hmm. it's really freeing what you're saying. Like you used to be really cautious. I think a lot of runners get caught up with like splits and what they're going out at in a race and it can actually like limit you. So I think that's really awesome that you've just like, you're like, whatever, I can do this and just go out and give it everything. <laughs> and as long as you finish the race really exhausted, then you can be proud of yourself and be happy with the result. Yeah. And I, I did a race last month and I went out really fast <laughs> and then I totally blew up this. It was a half marathon and you know, people don't blow up that much usually in a half marathon, but <laughs> I did. <laughs> and, what did you um, run the I first 10 K in? I think I remember seeing your time. And it was like insane. 32, 15. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Like that. And I, I awesome. went out with a girl that ran 107, 45 or something. And I ended up running like three minutes slower than her. And um, I don't. And so some of my friends after the race were like, oh, sorry that you had a bad day. I'm like, I didn't have a bad day. I went out like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> you had an awesome day. Like, great. <laughs> when I started. but uh you just make choices and like I paid for it right I could have had a faster time and I know that so like if I want a faster time next time don't run out so fast but yeah it was it was really fun it was fun to also like test the limits and see where I was and I'm I'm focused on the 10k so at the end of the day I don't really care about my half marathon time like it doesn't neither here nor there so I, I've realized that I'm in great 10 K shape and it's going to be a fun year. So it was a win for me. And I think in that instance, you say I could have run a faster time. You also could have run a slower time if you'd gone out slower. See, I think you just don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would, it would be like, it was fun to compete. And I think at some point, you know, you've got to think about, are you maybe if I wanted to compete to win, then I should have went to a different race. I mean, that can't be the goal all the time when you're competing against them. This girl's trying to break the American record in a marathon um, this weekend. So like, I'm not at 107 half marathon right now. And that I knew that going into the race. So it was a very dumb decision <laughs> to like go with her, but it, it oddly gave me confidence that I can still finish and that I'm going to run a really fast 10 yeah. yeah, exactly. You never know. Um, we see how hardworking and determined you are in competitive sport. Um, it's so incredible to see, and you're inspiring so many women like Liz and I, uh, we believe that women can gain so much from sport. What is it about sport that you think has made you the woman you are today? Yeah. So I think it opened a lot of doors. I mean, it was the first thing that I was like good at, and then I worked hard at it and I got better. And so it just laid the foundation for like, you can probably do a lot of things if you want to, if you enjoy it and want to work hard at that. And um, it got me into college, a way better college than I would have ever gone to, which opened the door to like a great education and, and actually caring about school. Because at the beginning, I only wanted to run and I was going to fail out. Like I got like a 2.0 my first semester. And so I would have totally flunked out if I hadn't like, turned everything around but um I went to summer school I was in the library a lot and and it, it made me realize like I ended up getting like a a three seven the next semester and I was like I can't do school you know <laughs> and so I but I, running and that work ethic that was set 
you know, back in school, as I would get up in high school before school and go for a run and then meet the team in the afternoon, like I was a crazy person at 15. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I think that there's like so much that is transferable to real life through sport. You know, you realize like, I, I even just think like working with people, you know, you're, you have teammates that you're working through stuff with and then a coach that hopefully is like leading you through and you, you realize like when to let go of some control too, because you, there's, you can learn something from everyone. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's been so many lessons and sport has taken me a lot of different places to a lot of cultures, which has taught me new things and like different ways of life. And that maybe the way I do it isn't the best way or the only way. So I feel like it's, I mean, I, I, I owe everything to sport. It has so much like made my life and enhanced my life. And I'm from a town that um, was really into drugs. And so like, I, I was four years behind my sister in school and she was dating a drug dealer when I was in high school. I mean, when I was in middle school, so she was in high school and I came home in middle school and they would be like snorting cocaine off the dining room table. And if I didn't run, I would probably have just gone along the same path. And like, luckily I was obsessed with running for some odd reason, but um, it just like kept me away from everything. And, and it wasn't just my sister. It was just everyone in the damn town. Like there was nothing else to do and people with some extra money and that's, that's what went on. So yeah, I'm, I feel like very lucky. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy I feel like we have very similar stories my sister kind of fell into the path of drugs and alcohol whereas I found running and I yeah I guess I look at the two different pathways and really thank sport for keeping me on the right one um very so very grateful for that Mm. talking about your sister I know you've faced some very extremely challenging times in your life which included the loss of your sister do you think this Mm -hmm. has shaped you and do you think that this has helped create the woman you are today and the success that you have had in your running? Definitely shaped me as a person. I don't know if it's helped my running or hurt my running, to be honest. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I like try to live so much because I know how short life can be. And I, I don't want to like waste moments that I could have. And I, I don't think I'm going to die anytime soon, but like, why would I waste time if I wasn't happy somewhere? Or like I could do something else or I could do this experience and go to Spain with some people I sort of know. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I bounce around and I never know what I'm doing. And I'm like, just a tornado coming <laughs> to the next spot. And um, I think it's a little unstable, maybe because I got on this path of like, live life to the fullest and just like gone out of control a little bit. And because of that, I don't know if it's because of that, but my family's not super close. Like individually, I'm close with my parents, but they're divorced. They live in different places and they definitely raised my sister and I to be independent. So it wasn't expected that like, or really asked that we like live close to home or there's really nothing to go home to. And so, um, I think I've just kind of been like free falling around the world, you know, which is a a little odd and probably more lonely than I imagined it to be. 
or like really wanted for myself at this age. And so I'm thinking now, like, has it created some instability? I talk to other people and they're like, oh, I'm going on vacation, you know, this day to this day. And then like my kids' birthdays are going to be here. And then like families for the holidays. And like, I'm just going to plan after the next race, plan the next month. <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> and I think it's working for you clearly, you know, so I think you should embrace the way that you approach life. It's, um, I think it's inspiring to a lot of people. Mm. Well, it's the same point you made earlier. Is it working or is the other thing work better? I mean, who knows until you try it? Yeah, exactly. And no regrets. I mean, yeah, like you said, we can't run forever. So we can make the most of it and just go all around yeah. the world and race everywhere and do whatever. Um, what do you think women can learn from the challenging times in our lives? How strong we are. I mean, you can make it through anything. And like, especially because of other women. I've leaned on like a lot of friends when I've been in, you know, tougher times. And, and like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really feel like I could make it through anything and like with other people, I can't make it through anything alone. I need, need my peeps, need my other ladies. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's amazing how many people like really helped me through some stuff when I reached out. So I guess uh, I would just say like, you don't have to do it alone. We all go through stuff and we're all trying to just enjoy it. So, you know, um, I, I, I think tough times also make us realize like what we have to be grateful for. So unfortunately not the funnest lesson, but there's always the silver lining. I think that is definitely something we get from sport and running in particular as well, because it is challenging and it pushes our mind to a place of, you know, hurt and pain. I think we learn so much about being grateful for the small things, even in a marathon, mm -hmm. you know, a glass of water is like the best thing ever. But with, <laughs> without running yeah. a marathon, you wouldn't appreciate the glass of water. So yeah, like or you say, like... <laughs> there's so many things from running that transition over to life. I think it's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah, so as we, as we get older, we obviously learn a lot more about ourselves and about the world and, and goals and how we set goals. Can you talk us through what your goals are for 2022 and how you set those goals? Mine are just like lingering from past years. I just, well, I'm so stubborn. Like I will not give up on this. <laughs> um, I still run around sub 226 in a marathon. I want to do a fall marathon. So that's like in my plans. And then um, I... I want to run, I mean, I said 3125 because it's the world 10K standard. I'm really not sure if I'm capable of that, but I'd like to run really fast. You're capable 10K. of that. If you're running 32, 15 and a half marathon, I'm pretty sure <laughs> you can run it for 3125. Yeah, well, we'll see. So I'm <laughs> going gonna, I'm gonna to go for something. But um, definitely just like something, you know, I, I, I almost feel like, it's just as soon as we hit that time goal, we set another time goal. And so I'm not sure what the real, like, I do think 226 would be cool to like just break that number because 225 sounds so fast. But, um, but yeah, everything under 32 minutes sounds really fast. So I'm also, I, I just, I want to, I really in my life try to focus on the more like daily little tasks to get me to the goal instead of focusing on the goal. Cause I don't think we're completely in control of the goal. Like I did all the daily tasks that I had last year and I didn't, I didn't hit any of my goals really. 
And I think that like learning to enjoy it still, even when I wasn't running my best was a good lesson because now I'm so free at the moment. And, um, but yeah, so I have like things that I, you know, want to do like little New Year's resolution kind of things and like do my pre-run exercises and like eat something right after I'm done running stuff like that, that like you can check that off on a box and be like, I did this. And then in two months, you're like, wow, I'm running so fast. I'm so recovered. I can handle more mileage. Like you see real gains. Yeah, we spoke about it last week on the podcast about setting like shorter term goals, especially in the day and age that we live in, um, with, you know, the global pandemic still going on and not having, I guess, security and some of the big long term goals, making those short term goals is really important because if you're achieving them, yeah. you're still on the right path to be able to get to that long term goal, whether it happens or not. Exactly. And I always like want my athletes to do races because it, when you just have this like six month goal, it is kind of hard to like stay motivated and excited for it. And when you have the little race, at least it's like, you know, you, you have something to keep you along that path and, and like check in, you know? So if the, the B race and like the little one goes really well, there's kind of less pressure on the big one too, because you already had a win. And I think it's hard in marathon training because often we just do like two races a year. Like, oh my God, that would, that's kind of tough. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of pressure just for two races, hey? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've only got two more questions to go. These are our quick fire questions just to wrap up. Um, the first one is what would you tell your younger self, say your 15 year old self? Oh my God. My mom used to say like something about like that, you know, where your unique self is like better than the same of anybody else or whatever. And I feel like, I think she had a sign that said that, I guess I would just repeat it over and over again of like, because I do wish I'd gotten to the place a little sooner of being like, okay with me. And I've always been a little different. Um, but I, and I think sometimes I'm really good at making it seem like I'm okay with that. And sometimes internally I struggle with it. So I, I wish that like, I had said that was like a good thing to myself more. Definitely. I relate to that when I was 15, I was definitely a bit of a oddball still am. <laughs> um, <laughs> and our, um, our last question is what do you think your purpose is on mother earth? Something about connecting with other people. I'm not really sure, but I, when I'm done running, I want to be a college coach. And I think that that will definitely, it's like got to be part of the purpose. Like I'm, and I like the training aspect a lot, but I really like the connecting with people and helping people that like are open to it and, and just looking for a good direction. Um, yeah, I just think there's like, I have such a like wide range of ability levels or like interest levels. And um, we're all just like wanting a kudos that we did our run. You know, it's, it's like so simple. And we want someone to like care about what we're doing. Um, and so I, I like that part of being a coach. And I, I think that's got to be part of my purpose because I feel like that's my Instagram account too. Like I try to put out there like lessons I learned because I care about people. I just want to share kind of the struggles too. Like it's not really fun to just put the, the highs are great, but 
how you got there, I think is like way cooler. So I don't know if it's the sharing the journey or connecting through the journey or I don't know. I, I'm a pretty like deep person. So I don't really like the chit chat kind of talk, but going deeper. So I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm still figuring out my purpose. That was a lot of rambling. Oh, no, we love that. I think you're definitely living your purpose the way that you help other people through the messages you convey and how vulnerable you are. I think that definitely comes across through your social platform. So we just want to say thank you. We appreciate everything you do for running for women and giving us the time today to chat. So thank you so much for yeah, chatting with us and we can't wait to share this episode with everyone. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you getting up early. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. For you. <laughs> thank Bye, you. Bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you for joining this episode of the FemiPod with the incredible Ali Keeper. Stay tuned for next week's episode with the conversation between Esther and myself. And in the meantime, stay up to date with Femi on Instagram at femi.co.